Hiring? With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash 247sports. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash 247sports. Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. Yes, thank you very much. We've got uh, an unbelievable show for you today. Chip Patterson, Barton Simmons, Tom Fernelli on the line. Uh, we've got a full slate of games. We're attacking Saturday. We're attacking Sunday. We're attacking Monday. Um, this is all about those against the spread picks. Barton, how are you doing? Tom, how, how are we feeling? Do, are we feeling confident in our picks right now? Focused. Focused. Yes. I'm ready to make America rich. Mm, make America rich again. Is that going to be mm-hmm. your hashtag again this year? No. No, we're just going back to trust the process, but the goal is still the same. (laughs) The goal is still the same. We're trying to make uh, America rich. Here is uh, the way that these uh, pick shows are going to unfold, and one of the reasons we are so focused and fired up for it. We're going to start with our locks. Uh, You know, we are each competing against each other, a minimum of three, no max. But these are what we are staking our reputation on, competing against each other. It will be a season-long competition. You can keep track at home. We'll be keeping track, of course. Uh, Then after we debate and discuss our locks, we'll get into some of the top 25 actions, some of the headliners, uh, anything that wasn't already included. And then before we get out of here, uh, the obscure picks, uh, you know, the the other side, whether it's uh, weird over-unders, whether it's that Coastal Carolina UMass uh, that feel that you've got, that you've got a good pulse that uh, the listeners might enjoy, Uh, we're going to be doing it all here for you. So, I mean... Uh, should we guys are, are we just gonna go ahead and uh, dive into these locks Barton you want it let's get it yeah you want me to you want me to kick us off uh yeah um okay well listen I think it's probably you know give the listeners what they want uh I'm I'm putting the big money on the big money games this week uh I've got two of the premier games in college football this weekend among my locks this week. And uh, we'll start right... Wait, 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 Barton, the- before you start, do you, do you want the jingle? I oh, want the jingle. come on, give me the jingle, Chip. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming. Come get these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. These locks. I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. Every cover. Living and dying. All right, Barton. I feel like that's like the theme song to a 1970s sitcom about the Locks family. <laughs> the lo- <laughs> that's what it is. I was, trying to, I was trying to put my finger on what era that was from, and, and that's it. Like it's like a Starsky and Hutch, like yeah. that never happened. A buddy cop great. show or something like that. <laughs> no, a buddy cop family show where like the mom and dad are both detectives. And <laughs> <laughs> all right, take us to uh, take us to meet the locks, Barton. Take us. Get, right. Let's let's get it started. All right, let's um, let's start right up the top with uh, the goats, the greatest opener of all time uh, in Alabama, Florida State. I'm taking the Crimson Tide minus the seven points. Woo! All right, writing uh, this down. Here's, you know, what, what it really boils down to for me. I think these are very evenly matched teams in a lot of areas. I think that, um, you know, I think Alabama's got one of the best front sevens in college football. They've got one of the best secondaries in college football. Uh, I think that they've got an unbelievable array of skill talent this year. They've got a good quarterback who's athletic. All those things can be said probably similarly on the other side of the ball. I mean, Florida State, I think you could probably sort of equal those statements. Um, but I think the big sticking point here 
is you got a Florida State offensive line that returns but three starters from a, t- uh, a unit that gave up 36 sacks last year, 108th in the country. And you've got an Alabama offensive line that returns three starters from a unit that was among the best in the country. So I, I think that that big um, discrepancy, and I think Florida State's offensive line will be fine, and I think probably by the end of the year they'll gel and they'll get it figured out. But I think if to, to open up this opening weekend with – a matchup against an Alabama team that is is always just so tough to block. And I think people that don't have, know the guys up front this year that saw those guys leave for the NFL draft, they're going to see a new round of freaks, whether it's Isaiah Bugs from the JUCO, Rashawn Evans stepping in for Reuben Foster, uh, Deshaun Hand coming in there on the other side of Deron Payne at that defensive front. Like this, the guys are still there. Yeah. Like, so, by, I, bottom line is, I just don't trust Florida State to be able to block that group. I think Alabama, Nick Saban, big games. You know, they I just, I don't know how you bet against Bama. I think that they win this by, by ten plus. Um, I, I think that I was not ready to throw this on my locks ten plus. Boy, there. All right, so Nick Saban, for the most part, has uh, I believe I don't know if he's undefeated, but I know that against his former assistants, it's like the average score is forty to ten, and he's got a winning record. Um, le- like, let us not forget that he absolutely pantsed Mark D'Antonio in the college football playoff. Just shut him out. Uh, yeah, I don't. You know, I want the greatest opener of all time to be a game that is going to be highly contested back and forth and come down to the fourth quarter. Uh, it's, it's not my lock, but it is my pick on the expert picks. Tom, what's your, uh, what's your read on, on Alabama, Florida state? Yeah, I, I'm like you. It's, it's not a lock for me, but I'm, I'm, I'm on Alabama as well. It's just, you mentioned how Saban does against his former coaches. Another trend is if we look at the last five years, Alabama's opened the last five seasons against another Power Five team. Granted, none of them have been of the caliber of this Florida State team. Hey, we but thought USC was pretty good last year. Before the game, we thought they were pretty good. We did, but even then, we didn't think they were as good as Florida State. And, you know, they've had Michigan, they've had Wisconsin, they've had West, West Virginia, teams like that in recent years. Alabama's won all five of those games by an average of 26 points. Goodness. And even if you take out the 46-point romp against USC last year, it was still an average of 20 points in the other four games. The closest was a 10-point win over West Virginia. So even though I think Florida State's better than all of those teams, I just look at when you give Nick Saban an entire offseason to trust his process and prepare for you, it's really hard to go against Alabama in the first week of the season, no matter who they're playing. So that, that's why I'm leaning towards the tide more than anything. <laughs> And not not only that, but I mean, Alabama is always tough to prepare for because you've always got, you know, just a what you're really preparing for is the personnel, which is just it's the best personnel in college football. But this year, it's even a little bit tougher because there's a new offensive coordinator. They the, the spring game, which is the only thing we have to go off of of this offensive coordinator. They were throwing it all over the football field. They've got a sort of a revamped wide receiving core. They're going to be able to try to to stretch the field in the pass game more effectively. Are they going to insert Tua Tagovailoa at the quarterback position? You know, how are they going to use these running backs? I just think there's a lot. They're a tougher team to get a hold of offensively from a preparation standpoint, and I think that that's just another wrinkle that's going to make it difficult for Florida State. So I just have a lot of confidence in Alabama in this one. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we've we've been excited about the greatest opener of all time, but uh, it kind of feels like another one of those games where the uh, the creeping inevitable death of Alabama is just going to end up rolling on. I mean, this is the this is the beginning of a of a lo- of a nice uh, a nice stay in the the new Atlanta college football stadium uh, for the Crimson Tide. I think that they're going to get their own locker room. Actually, uh, Tom, give me one of your locks. Uh, much, much like Barton, I also have one of the biggest games of the week on is my first lock, and that's Navy minus nine and a half against Florida Atlantic. Um, I, you look at Florida Atlantic last year, Lane Kiffin is obviously there now, and they've received a ton of attention because Lane Kiffin is Lane Kiffin, and he's brought in half the cast of Last Chance U and about 15 quarterbacks to compete for the job there. And while I think Lane Kiffin's obviously going to improve things at FAU for a little while before he bolts for another job, 
This is still a team that last year had one of the absolute worst run offense defenses in the entire country. As far as yards per game and as far as yards per carry, they were in the bottom 10 nationally in both statistics. And they're taking on a Navy team who, I don't know, you know, kind of likes to run the ball. So I don't think Lane Kiffin's going to be able to fix that defense in his very first game with the Owls. So I expect Navy's going to go against FAU and pretty much roll them. Wow. A couple of scores from last year's Florida Atlantic season. Lost 52-3 to to Western Kentucky. Lost 63-7 to to Kansas State. Lost 77-56 to to MTSU. Like, this team gave up some serious oh, yeah. numbers last year. And I, I agree. I, I didn't have this in my locks, but this was one that sort of caught my eye that I was going to mention, um, it, it, you know, with the other sort of the, the, the non-locks. I mean, there's a... There's a lot that that Lane Kiffin has to get done. They have a a first-year defensive coordinator in Chris Kiffin. Um, There's a big transition taking place, and Navy is one of those teams that is as stable as anyone in the country, and it doesn't really matter who's coming and who's going. They just insert plug-and-play, and And, uh, I just think this is awfully optimistic. I don't know if this is like the Lane Kiffin bump right here. It's got to be. Point line, but but it's hard for me to see this being – uh, anything less than two touchdowns. Dag. So this is this is going to be one of those, like all the headlines came in, all the attention is going to come, and the Owls aren't ready for the attention in terms of no. on the field. Well, what no, is it, the – yeah, what, what are the headlines? Like what, it's all about just like people transferring in and like, yeah. you know, Lane Kiffin's tweets. And, I mean, there's no real headlines about substantial like like quality football being played there. And uh, that's so – in that sense – it's 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 just a PR stunt to this point, and I don't think they've, they've proven anything on the football field. Yeah, I, w- I was shocked to see that line at only nine and a half. This feels like a fourteen and a half point spread, which should be to me. And the fact that it was at nine and a half, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll take that. All right, going with the middies. Um, all right, my first lock. I've got a theme to my lock, and the theme is uh, it's for the most part. Taking, taking some folks that are going to come in and, and make some home fans feel a little nervous. My first lock is the Cal Golden Bears under Justin Wilcox plus 12 at UNC. We got quarterback uncertainty for the Tar Heels. We've got all new change over the skill positions. Austin Prohl's the only real like name that's left. I guess Thomas Jackson, the former walk-on, if you want to talk about returning receptions. Uh, I... Larry Fedora at North Carolina has not covered once in a season opener against a Division One, an FBS team. Uh, like at San Diego State, came to Keenan Stadium, and that game ended up being like a closer than expected four point win. There was the loss to South Carolina uh, in Bank of America Stadium, there was the loss to Georgia. This is a spot where, for whatever reason, um, the, the Tar Heels are sometimes a little bit slow to start. And so with 12 points, uh, I think that, and I almost like the under here too, because, uh, Cal, of course, trying to break itself in. I know it's a breakfast game for the Golden Bears, but I'm thinking this is more of a one touchdown, like a seven to 10 point win for the Tar Heels. Uh, but I've got Cal plus 12 as a breakfast lock. I, I have a lock in that game as well. What is it? My over. second lock is the over 56 <laughs> because I understand Justin Wilcox is at Cal now and things are probably going to change. But when you look at these two teams the last few years, they've been really good at two things, scoring points and giving, giving up, up points. Yeah. So I see it over. The over under is only at 56. And it's been dropping. Yeah. So I, I see both teams scoring at least it, I, I think the winner is going to have 30-something, and I think the loser is going to have upper 20-something. So 56, give me that over. All right. So Cal hired uh, Bo Baldwin as their offensive coordinator. So Justin Wilcott, who's, who's the old Eastern, Mich- Eastern Washington head coach, they're just as pass-happy, spread-oriented mm-hmm. as anybody. Justin Wilcott could come in talking defense all he wants, but those practices are still defenses – practicing against a spread offense. You're not getting any tougher playing that basketball on grass. The 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 foundation, the bones of this team is still spread offense. And I, you know, as I looked at, I like the overpick a lot. 
as I looked at this, when you said that game initially, Chip, I thought you've got some onions. You got a uh, a Cal team that no one knows what to think of. You got a North Carolina team with uh, a quarterback that hadn't been even announced yet as a starter. Um, you know, there's a lot of unknowns there, but with the exception of the early starts, West Coast, East Coast time zone thing, I do like the Cal pick because they're still going to run a lot of really talented athletes out there at the skill positions. Um, and, and they do have a plug-and-play type of system schematically that they should be able to score points. Uh, these are both teams that just expect to put a lot of points on the board. So, um, yeah, this feels – the more I – you know, as you talked about it, the more I, I like Cal as well. All right, Barton, wh- give me another lock. So I'm starting with the two biggest games. These aren't necessarily my biggest locks, but I just want to get them discussed early. Uh, I'm going to go to the other big game of the weekend, Florida and Michigan. Uh, I almost, so Chip, you know, we, I think the first show we did, you asked me who was, who was going to, this was like mid July, early July. Uh, you asked me who was going to win Florida, Michigan. And I, I, no hesitation said Michigan. I, I'm confident in Michigan beating Florida, regardless of who Florida's got out there from a personnel standpoint. I almost am less confident now wow. that Florida's had all these suspensions because they're now underdogs, chip on the shoulder, circle the wagons. Here we go, guys. Let's get it done. Let's find a way. Uh, let's focus in, all that stuff. Now, all of a sudden, Michigan, you know, they may be overconfident, and there, there may be some, some um, you know, mind games being played right now. But in terms of just what I expect out of these teams, to you know, what I expect them to be this year, I have a lot more confidence in Michigan. They've got a quarterback that has played – that understands the system he's in, that the, the the coaching staff is confident in, despite them saying that there's still a quarterback competition in Michigan. Uh, but Wilton Spate is, is, is a guy that, that won games for them last year. Um, they've got a defense that I think is going to be really good despite losing all those players last year because of that defensive line, because of Rashawn Gary. Uh, Florida, regard, forget about the, the, the penalty or the, the suspensions. Florida has still – they've got a defense that's going to be not as good as last year and an offense that's going to be the same thing we, you know, that we've seen for, for the past two years under Jim McElwain. So I, I just think Michigan is a better football team. I think that they're, they're more stable right now. And I think Florida this season uh, – you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so leveraged at this point because we've been talking preseason so long and I keep on harping on this but Florida's I think is going to take a step back this year from a talent standpoint and and I think Michigan is 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 staying steady on that on that front so I I like Michigan covering the five points uh this is a touchdown plus game I think man I thought you were gonna like flip on me and I was gonna be like dang man you got scammed you got no, no, you got no. somebody somebody said insufficient funds on you. You all of a sudden were selling electronics. What the heck? Uh yeah, dude, I I'm selling Florida stock so fast. It's and the and this is before the the suspensions of course mentioned. You add Jordan Scarlett and Rick Wells, uh a, a rotation wide receiver and your leading returning rusher to the list of seven players already suspended for this misuse of funds which includes uh Antonio Callaway. Um, 10 players all together uh, when you include a marijuana suspension. I mean, that's, that's, that's 10, that's, that's more than 10% of your uh, scholarship players. They're going to be gone here. Like this is, this is a uh, not good vibes. I'm, I'm with you on Michigan too. I, I found myself as we've been talking about uh, the preseason and as we've been doing, you know, all the, the radio hits and just, given our college football takes, I'm, I'm talking myself more and more into Michigan being uh, the greatest challenge to Ohio State in the Big Ten either division. Tom, what's your, what's your read on this game? Michigan. Yeah. It's yeah. everything you guys have already said. It's with all the suspension. I mean, even, you know, our editor, Adam Silverstein, is a huge Florida fan. Go Gators. Who, who can talk, who can try to convince you that Florida's going to win any game no matter what. The last week, he's been like, oh, yeah, Michigan's going to kill us. So even he knows. So so when Adam's going against Florida, it's hard to go in Florida's direction. And plus, like you mentioned, Barton, all the players Michigan lost, they lost a ton on that defense that they have to replace. But 
yes, they're young and inexperienced, but if you look at the last two recruiting classes, they've had, you know, top 10 recruiting classes the last few years. So it's young players, but they're all extremely talented replacements. So it's not like a situation where a lot of teams have a really hard time replacing all those kids. Michigan is replacing a lot of them with better players. So I don't think, I think maybe there'll be a little rough start for Michigan, but I think over the long haul, this is going to be a very good Michigan team. And I think with all the suspensions and everything Florida's dealing with, and the fact that even though Felipe Franks is going to be the starter, Jim McElwain has still kind of intimated that all three of their quarterbacks are going to still play. And I hate when teams do that. So I, I just think when you take all that, this is a game that Michigan should end up winning relatively you know, soundly, not blowout, but never really in doubt. So I, w- I want to touch on that quarterback situation real quick, too, because this, to me, has become the absolute worst case scenario for Florida because their expectation was they go out and get Malik Zaire as a graduate transfer. And I know in the spring they thought he was there, he was coming in to start. Now he comes in. And he doesn't win the job. He doesn't win over the coaching staff right away. And, you know, why should we expect him to have done that? Because he's got 800 career passing yards in three years at Notre Dame. Couldn't win the job there. And now he's going to learn an offense right, you know, in within the course of the summer. So, okay, he doesn't win the job. Fine. But now you've got a, a situation where one quarterback hasn't been prepared for this. It's not Malik Zaire. It's not Luke Del Rio. And Felipe Franks, who's the starter by by name, has had to split reps all preseason with the other two guys as they've been fighting for a job. And now Jim McElwain's even saying you know, potentially all three could play. This has just become a mess. Whereas, you know what? If they had just gone with Felipe Franks out of the spring and just said, you're our guy, you are the quarterback of the future here at Florida, we're going to treat the entire summer like you were the leader of this team offensively, and we're just going to feed you with a fire hose everything we can and then in this preseason you're our starter then all of a sudden you know I feel a little bit better about the quarterback situation there and and going into this game but now I just think you know you've got an inexperienced redshirt freshman stepping in that uh, has had to battle for reps with the two other guys that that Michigan's defense line is going to tee off on so uh, just not very confidence inspiring in terms of just the way this quarterback situation has played out for Florida just going to be so like all of a sudden, you're going to be running around, and then you're like face to face with Devin Bush or Mike McRae, just getting pounded into the Cowboys Stadium grass. I mean, this, I, uh, I, th- I think Michigan's defense is going to eat, just absolutely eat Florida alive. Uh, you, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, Florida's defense. One quick note here: Where's our? All right, I think they will still be pretty strong in the secondary. Jabari Zuniga is a very good pass rusher, but am I wrong to really? have no answers for like who steps into that jared davis role like how to me the linebackers and sort of the interior the meat of that defensive line look like spots of concern for me am i off on that for for me it's about depth i think they i mean i still like the linebackers that they've got and i like the defensive linemen that they're that are starting but what what's what's always been you know what Florida's always had is just a bunch of guys. You know they've got they've got that second line of defensive linemen that can roll in there and be dudes. They've got um, you know their their nickel linebacker comes in and, and is a playmaker. Now it's just a matter of once you get behind that first team, it's it's not the same level of uh, of meaty depth that you used to have at Florida. So I, I still think their starting eleven is is really really talented, but. I think over the long haul in this season, I think you're going to see Florida's defense look less imposing than they have in years past, and they still may have a bunch of NFL prospects out there. But it's it's about you know having waves of NFL prospects, which I don't think that they have this year, and I think that that's you know a, a reflection of Will Muschamp being a defensive-minded, really good recruiter versus Jim McElwain being an offensive-minded less accomplished recruiter and and here and this is what the roster we were left with all right from uh from the gators i'll i'll drop my we got barton is alabama minus seven michigan minus five tom's got the unc cal over 56 navy minus nine and a half i've got cal plus 12 and another visitor i'm gonna take appalachian state plus 14 and a half at georgia it's uh it's under the lights it's a big spot 
They're they are going to have their hands full certainly with Nick Chubb uh, and Jacob Eason, but I I like the fact that Appalachian State should be able to get at least a couple offensive touchdowns. And I just don't see uh, the Bulldogs running up the score here. It seems like a game that Georgia will be in control of. And the reason I like this here is because the Appalachian State offense, led by senior quarterback in Taylor Lamb, uh, it operates in like a misdirection out of shotgun kind of hustle where it is similar to, huh? A little bit like Georgia Tech, at least in terms of trying to fool your linebackers, trying to uh, throw off the the defensive assignments. Georgia lost to Georgia Tech in the season finale a year ago. Appalachian State absolutely brought the wood to Tennessee uh, last time that they played. I I like the Mountaineers, uh, and I love the fact that I'm getting a hook. Again, I feel like Georgia's going to be in control, and it's going to be with the fact that you know their offensive line is just probably like you know about 20, 30 to 50 pounds bigger, and they're just going to be able to lean on Appalachian State, particularly near the end of the game. But, uh, but I think that this is going to be a spot where the Mountaineers are going to be able to get a couple of scores and under the lights make some Georgia fans nervous in Sanford Stadium, at least for like two quarters. You like it? Yeah, I, I, I nearly took Appalachian State as my underdog of the week in pick six, so I, I'm totally on board with the pick. So but my, I, I like it too, and I think the way I frame this is Georgia is preseason has all the makings of being this year's Tennessee from last year. Like they're the team everyone's predicting to win the East, but no one's super confident in them. Like no one <laughs> no, really thinks not at they've all. earned it, right? Yeah. And so, and Tennessee last year was absolutely exposed when they almost lost to app state at home uh this is a better app state team than even that team that almost beat tennessee last year if anything the one thing that gives me pause about this game this year is last year is the fact that you know kirby smart has got it plastered all over the locker room you know the headlines from from last year's game against tennessee you know they've 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 watched that film over and over again like they there is no denying that that Georgia thinks they're playing a good football team and is not expecting to to win this one by 30 points. So I think that just that extra mental focus may be enough to sort of keep them, you know, allow them to sort of take care of business. That's the only reason I stayed away from this game because on paper I, I actually I like it as well. The uh, in last year's opener against North Carolina, I felt like that's what Georgia did. They just leaned on them. Like North Carolina, not real big on the defensive line, and Georgia was like, "All right, well, here's Nick Chubb, thirty carries. Go ahead and get it." And he just rolled right through. Didn't he finish with like two hundred yards rushing in that game? Something close to it. Yeah, ridiculous. I, I I think the big news here though is that Barton has proclaimed Georgia the 2017 champions of life. <laughs> the life champions. They get the life championship belt. All right, since uh, since you've got the life championship belt, Barton, what's your next lock? Okay, now we get to uh, a, kind of my favorite play of the weekend. Nice. Uh, and and my 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 biggest lock. And I I'm actually going anti-public here. Surprisingly, I don't understand why I'm. I, this is a more popular pick. And, and, and in a lot of ways, that makes me feel better about it. I like UCLA minus three at home against Texas A&M. Uh, he, here's, here's my biggest reason for liking this pick. Is you've got maybe one of the biggest power five uh, quarterback deficits here between UCLA and A&M. <laughs> when you're talking about Josh Rosen versus whoever A&M's trotting out there. Uh, I think, you know, Josh Rosen is... UCLA is... is, They were decimated by injuries last year, Josh Rosen being the biggest one. Uh, They are going to be better offensively. Jed Fish is going to have a lot better plan this year than we saw last year with Kennedy Polamadu. Uh, I I think that this is a team uh, in A&M that, look... They've always been identif- – their identity has always been their offense. Their identity has always been their quarterback, even more as, as much as that. And this year they've got 
looks like Nick Starkle's probably going to be the starter. And he's fine, but he that's all he is. He's just a pretty good quarterback. And the you know, they it, they might play some Kellen Mond who's a true freshman. They might even play some Jake Kubinek, who's a uh, another just average upperclassman guy. Uh, they've got two receivers returning who have caught footballs. They're starting a true freshman out there, receiver in Kellen Mond, who's a good player, but he's a true freshman starting on the road in week one. And their defense, which is now supposed to be their strength, just lost their three best players from last year to the NFL draft. I'm just having a hard time figuring out how A&M is going to win this football game. And meanwhile, UCLA, I think offensively is going to be good. And I think defensively, they've got players I like on every level. Um, They'll need to be improved there for sure. They'll need to be tougher there. But I I, I just, you know, if if I'm betting on a team, I'm going to bet on Josh Rosen, who's a potential number one draft pick over A&M's sort of revolving door of of non-identity at quarterback. I'm just terrified of that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad we didn't have to pick it for expert picks. By the way, all top 25 games, you can find uh, our picks and our records on the CBSSports.com page. I I stared at this game for a long time trying to think about if I could make it a lock. I'm glad that you made it a lock so that we could talk about it because it is certainly one of the most significant games of the season, I mean, of the opening weekend, but... Uh, with it being on Sunday night, with it being two premier programs, and what would you call this game, Barton? The Thunderdome game. Thunderdome game. Two coaches one, two in. Two men each, one man leaves. Yeah, this is a yeah. Someone's getting fired. Not 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 this week, but the loser of this game is getting fired. But don't you wish you could get this at like two and a half, four? Like I I could see this game being ugly. I could see it being a little bit weird. I could see it getting maybe a little sloppy. Um. I've, man, I, I'm terrified of this game. The uh, over/under at 56 and a half, too. That's all of it. All of it seems like I would maybe shade the under if uh, if I had any lean. Um, if, if you want to fade the public, go under. Is it uh, is the public money on the over? Oh, 80 percent of the public money is on the over. Whoa! <laughs> so if you're looking for a fade the public game, I would take the under in Texas A&M UCLA. What's your pick here, Tom? I'm terrified of this game. I, I'm leaning towards UCLA. I, I agree with Barton on that. It's just I don't have a solid read either way. And that's why one of the reasons that the under is more appealing to me is because of that way, you know, hey, whatever happens, happens, as long as they don't score a lot of points. I See, love – oh, go ahead. Well, what, one other comment on this game is – I feel like this is the year it catches up to Kevin Sumlin. He's been he's been just right hovering on the edge. And I know we're talking about a, he's playing a UCLA team that was four and eight last year, so I get it. But he's been hovering right on the edge, eight and five, eight and five, eight and five, and and now he's got to come up with a miracle this year to get to nine wins. And he's got probably his least talented roster that he's had since he's been at Texas A and M. And he doesn't have the personnel that he's used to having offensively. This is a probably as much a fade of AM as it is a play on UCLA. Um, but it just it gives me that much more confidence when you're betting on a Josh Rosen that you hope will be healthier. But I, I just think this is the year that uh, you know I feel like Kevin Sumlin's been like borrowing you know borrowing money from the house like nonstop and now here he is just in in debt up to his eyeballs and he's got to figure out a way to uh you know to to win a huge hand and i i don't see him doing it he's gonna form the mcdonald's real estate corporation and he's gonna (laughs) become the founder uh (laughs) all right so one of the cool tools that 24 7 sports has is the 24 7 sports the college football team talent composite now, yeah, I was going to reference that. I like it. Yeah, as uh, as as the national director of scouting, obviously Barton has seen sort of all these rosters come together. But you know, I it is a good tool for me and other college football fans to just look at general team talent. And that was what I was thinking about this Texas A and M UCLA game. Is there these are really talent? UCLA's got the tenth most talented roster in the country. How does that? You yeah, know. And- and just to, to, to so that people understand what this is, it's 
it's, you know, people reference like recruiting classes, hey, three straight top five recruiting classes or whatever to, to talk about talent. But that's a little bit misleading because you don't know how many of those guys got on campus, how many of those guys didn't qualify. You don't know how many of those guys transferred out. Uh, so basically, when you talk about the team talent composite, this is when you look at the roster of guys that are currently on the roster, what was their recruiting ranking coming out of high school? So what, what kind of prospects, high school football prospects, are on their current roster? And so like a, a Stanford, for instance, is the 12th most talented team, but they're always really low in the recruiting rankings because they've, they have small classes with limited attrition. So all those guys stay. So uh, anyway, so you can go on and make whatever point you're going to make. I just want to make sure it's sort of clear what the talent composite roster is. But I agree. UCLA is sitting there 10th in the country in terms of, of, of high school talent, uh, you know, if they stay healthy, there's no reason they shouldn't be really good. Right. And I they, think there's some huge breaking news here, though. What's that? Are you saying that you have Michigan's roster? <laughs> there's a reason why we haven't promoted this <laughs> this ranking just yet, because Jim Harbaugh has just been like like dangling a roster over our head, and we can't get it to, to get Michigan in there. So no, I think I think. I think the release comes today because we finally got Michigan's roster. The uh, but it's it's a great way to look at um, the the coaches that are have fans that are uh, unsettled or upset like UCLA number ten, Notre Dame number nine, Tennessee eleven, Texas thirteen. Obviously, the head coach change has already happened here. Like this. There, there are reason Texas A and M down there at fourteen. Like they're seeing this talent come in, they're not seeing results on the field. Like that's 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 why I hit, that's why coaching changes happen. Um, I like that pick. Fascinated by that game, Tom. You got one more lock. I I do, and it's another over under. This time, you know, we went over earlier, and now we're going below the bar. Uh, Northwestern and Nevada, the under of sixty and a half. It's it's a number that just seems way too high for me. Uh, Northwestern just typically historically the last few years has been very good to the under. They they're a team that on offense hasn't scored a lot of points and a defense that's you know been pretty surly for the most part. But even though I expect Northwestern's offense to improve this year, it's not a team that's ever truly in a hurry. It's it's not speeding up. It's just trying to put together nice long drives. And I look at Nevada as a team that really did not score many points at all last year. And I don't expect them to have a big game against Northwestern to open the season. So I see this as a game where Northwestern is probably going to put up about 34 points. And if Nevada gets more than 14, I'll be shocked. So when I see the over-unders at 60 and a half, I feel very comfortable with the under here. Do you think that... What's the the line on that? Yeah, do you think Northwestern covers? Uh... Probably, I, I I'm not I'm not nearly as confident in that. It's the line is 24. at negative it's 24. So it's it's really hard to get a read on that at 24 because it that all depends on how much Northwestern scores, and I don't think Northwestern is going to score more than 35 points. So I lean more towards Nevada to cover, but I really like the under there because uh, 60 hey, and a half is just ridiculously high in my estimate. Couple things on that game now that you mention it. Uh, so you know y'all know who the starting quarterback for Nevada is, right? It's former Alabama uh, attempted starter David yeah. Cornwell. Uh, so Cornwell's the quarterback. Nevada's got a new offense with Jay Norvell in this like an air raid type of system. Uh, I I actually now that you just having now that you brought it up and, and and thinking about it in real time here, I sort of think Northwestern could could cover this twenty four plus. Like I could see Nevada trying to. You know, play with a lot of tempo, get a bunch of plays in. Northwestern's defense making a few plays. I think Northwestern's going to be a lot better offensively than people realize uh, because Clayton as, as Thorson's knows, a first round draft pick. Clayton Thorson's going to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> that's right. Lock it up. Uh, so I, I, anyways, I think that's an interesting game. I, that's a really interesting game. And now all of a sudden, as I as I just look at it, I, I could see Northwestern blowing the doors off here. Um, but that does seem like a high number just given these two teams. Yeah, my, my fear is Northwestern blows up for like 49 points, but I don't think that's going to happen. Just maybe it will, but I, I, I just think overall the 16.5 is way too high because I see Northwestern more winning this game in like that 35 to maybe 14 range. 
Uh, my last. All right, so Barton, Alabama minus seven, Michigan minus five, UCLA minus four, Tom, uh, UNC Cal over 56, Navy minus nine and a half, Northwestern Nevada under 60 and a half. I've got Cal plus 12, App State plus 14 and a half, and another dog, though this one is not a road dog because it's in a neutral site. I'm going with the Mountaineers plus four. Um, I against Virginia Tech. This is another Sunday night game. It is in FedEx Field in Landover. Um, this is uh, two teams that are both top 25 teams, but I don't think that AP voters could really give you much confidence uh, in either one necessarily staying in the top 25. We've got new quarterbacks at both places. West Virginia's got Will Greer, uh, redshirt freshman Josh Jackson for the Hokies. A lot of skill position turnover at both places. West Virginia's rebooting up on the offensive line. Love, love Edmonds and Bud Foster and the lunch pail D for the Hokies. I was going to go under here, but I've seen the under is all the way down to like 51 and a half, which is a little bit uh, too low for me to feel confident. It feels like a rock fight. It feels like a game that's going to be won with like a Joey Sly field goal. And so if I can get West Virginia, the dog here, and maybe the better team, but I don't know if they're the better team. It feels like a pick 'em game. Uh, also, FedEx Field's been a little bit of a house of horrors for Virginia Tech. So if they start to, if they don't exercise some demons, I think this could get weird. But I think that we will learn so much about both of these teams, sort of where they fit in their own respective conferences. Um, and I. I guess I'm going with Will Greer. I think he's a better playmaker. So I'm, I don't know. I'm curious to hear y'all's thoughts on this game, a top 25 matchup. This game scares I, me. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I also picked West Virginia in our expert picks, but don't have a ton of confidence in it. I picked Will Greer, basically. I think Will Greer is, is going to be the real deal this year. I, it's a, basically a pick on Will Greer and Tony Gibson. Will Greer is going to make that offense really good. Tony Gibson will figure it out on defense. But I, I think I, that's a, I hardly feel good fading Justin Fuente and Bud Foster. I mean, that's, they, gotta, they'll figure things out too. So I, I, I think both these teams are tough to get a read on right now. Um, so I don't love the game, but I, I do like Will Greer, and that, that gave me the edge there. Yeah, you know, I, I do my Twitter tip of the day every day during the football season, and I look at the two games on Sunday, and I'm terrified of what pick I'm going to have to make on Sunday because it's just like that Texas A&M-UCLA game, this is another game that I have a really difficult time reading. I went with Virginia Tech in our expert picks. Moore is just is a part of my Justin Fuente Admiration Society duty compelled <laughs> me to do. So, But I, I really I, I don't know. I, w- I feel like this is probably going to be a pretty close game that comes down to a turnover at some point to decide the entire thing. And I, I, I lean Virginia Tech. That was just my gut feeling at first. But overall, I, I really do not know which one it's doing. Well, speaking of turnover, if you find yourself at your business, as an employer, dealing with turnover. Say that you need to go make a hire. Well, then you know that can be tough, especially when you've already got a full plate. But luckily, you can link up with ZipRecruiter. See, with ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. See, that's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. In fact, it finds them. 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within one day. That way, the turnover isn't going to impact you for very long. You don't have to juggle emails or calls either. You just simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. So find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. What you can do as a 24-7 sports podcast listener is you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash 24-7 sports. That's right, free. ZipRecruiter.com slash 24-7 sports. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash 247 sports. All right, so uh, are we done? Is this all the locks? We ready to get to the uh, the weird lines? I, I I'm not done at three, man. Oh hell yeah! All right, what you got? All right, I got t- I have two more. 
and I I went back and forth on on one of them, but here we'll get rolling on on another one that I like. Um, I like BYU catching sixteen in the Superdome against mm-hmm. LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's my thought process. One is. BYU is getting undervalued because they piddled around with Portland State last week. Uh, do y'all remember last year when Pitt piddled around with Villanova, barely beat them, and then they played Penn State, and everyone expected Penn State to win that game because Pitt could barely beat Villanova, and then Pitt blew the doors off on the offense and just scored a ton of points and and won that game. Yeah, that's because they didn't. I mean, they didn't do anything against against. Yeah. Villanova and so I think to to underestimate this BYU offense because it didn't score a lot of points against Portland State is is a misread um, the defense you know held Portland State to 220 yards of offense so the defense was fine and they didn't even have their starting middle linebacker who's going to be back for the LSU game and Butch Pau and so I I think this is a team that is going to be they're a really energetic team on defense I, I like their athletes on defense. They got a big six foot nine defensive end on one side. They got a really athletic edge rusher on the other side. Uh, I like BYU to figure out a way to keep this close. Uh, I think LSU is going to be. I think they're going to win. I think Matt Canada is going to come out and and show some impressive stuff. But they've got Danley Etley at quarterback. Darius Geis has been beat up. And here's the other big caveat in this game that I'm I'm interested in watching. I don't know if y'all caught this, but but Ed Ogeron said uh, this week, you know, any discipline issues, we're not going to announce the suspensions. We'll just handle them, and you won't see the guys on the field uh, for the game. I I bet you there's a couple guys suspended that we don't quite know about for LSU that aren't going to play this game. And I don't know that LSU's got, you know, they're not hurting for talent, and so it's not like the, the next guy up is going to be an issue but I just, I, I'll bet you LSU isn't quite up to full strength. Arden Key's already not in the game. Um, I, I think BYU is going to be in a position to make this one a game. And again, this is another anti-public play. Um, only 32% on BYU right now. I, I like those opportunities when I see them, even though the line's moving, moving up. Uh, I, I, give, me, give me all the points I can get. I'll take them. I, I like BYU plus 16. I like it too. I like it a lot. I think that... Uh I think that's a real jerk move to ruin our game day by having to scramble and write these suspension posts at like 930 in the middle of Alabama FSU. But, you know, who, the world can't revolve around us. So nope. uh, Chip, Chip's firing up his fire Ed Orgeron post right now. <laughs> Reasons for firing. Because that jerk won't announce suspensions in the press conference like regular coaches do. Now it's on Wednesday afternoon when nothing's going on. Come, Come on. on. Come on. Uh, what do you you like that game, Tom? I, I like BYU plus sixteen. We picked them in the expert picks at twelve and a half, so I'm an LSU there. But up to sixteen, yeah, I, I would take BYU as well. I, I agree with the fact that I'm not worried about what we saw from BYU last week simply because it was just doing the bare minimum on offense that it had to do to make sure it got by Portland State. All right, Barton, what's your other lock, man? If got- this this you could jump out to. Uh, a big lead or all of a sudden find yourself uh lo- i mean I'm, this is this is really setting the stage uh for our competition i like it well i'll i'll i mean last I'll, I'll give you last year my week one picks were like i was like one and eight or something ridiculous Beautiful. and uh and so this might just be another bad week one for me i don't think i went under under uh 500 the rest of the year i just sort of crept my way back towards 500 as the year progressed so we'll see if I dig myself a, a huge hole for you guys again. But my last lock is another one that I this is I got some funky feelings about this game. Like I don't know what to think about it. Um, I, I I like it a lot, and I almost just I almost avoided making it a lock, but I I just couldn't resist. Uh, I'm going Georgia Tech plus three. Yes, against Tennessee. Yes, <laughs> yes. We. We've talked about that game a lot, Chip. Uh, I think you, you know, you probably could have guessed where I was heading. Um, that's this is just it. Just feels like a game that is 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 going to be tricky for Tennessee. You know, they've that defense has a lot to prove to beat Georgia Tech. You got to have a, a really good defensive line, and that defensive line is is 
has as much to prove as any uh, unit on that Tennessee defense. Um, there's This is going to be Paul Johnson's maybe one of his best Georgia Tech teams, even though there no, there, there's like not a lot of big names. That doesn't matter for Paul Johnson. He seems to really like this team. I know Dedrick Mills is gone, but we didn't know who Dedrick Mills was last year until he was Dedrick Mills. We don't know who the next guy up is this year until he has 900 yards resting from the B-back position. Um, they're they're going to be okay in that spot. And I think Tennessee is just – this is – I mean, if I'm Tennessee, I hate that this is my opening game. I just hate it. I, I You know – they need a win to get feeling good and get feeling confident. And that's was a, a, a problem I had with Tennessee last year is they felt like a front running type of team when things, uh, you know, when, when, when things are good, they're good. And when, and, but they could, they could lay down a little bit, especially on defense. And so uh, I think their offense showed some pipe. There's no question, but, and, and Derek Barnett was a freak, but uh, they, they had some, some mental breakdowns defensively a lot. And, Georgia Tech is a team you don't want to play when you have a tendency to have middle breakdowns. And so uh, I just, as as much as I think that would throw things into chaos for, for Tennessee, um, and as much as like it doesn't feel like, if I, I want to say Tennessee is going to be uh, surprisingly good this year because I think they're better talent-wise than people realize, I just have a hard time not visualizing Georgia Tech uh, doing some damage in this game. Oh, I love it. I just I I see I see Paul Johnson just standing out there with a un with like uh, an unamused smirk on his face as he's just coaching circles around Butch Jones. <laughs> I, I I hey that those are your words not mine. I got I got crushed by a Tennessee fan for saying that Paul Johnson is gonna gonna uh, coach circles around Butch Jones. I don't remember saying that. I think that's a Chip Patterson quote. That is a but, Chip Patterson quote. So I'm sorry. But, I'm sorry that you got those flames because of me. But that's. I mean, I I think Paul Johnson is a, one of the better coaches. Like if if there's 128 coaches in college football, I think he's 100 percent in the top quarter. Yeah. Chip is really good at getting you yelled at for things other people say. I just want to make sure you understand that going forward. I've also been yelled at a lot for things Chip does. So. I'll take it, man. You know, it's part of this. That's, that's the team. That's you know, we got each other's back. <laughs> that was my quarterback. Uh, what, what do you think about this game, Tom? Um, I took Tennessee and the honest to God reason that I took Tennessee was we were, the three of us were down in Florida a couple weeks ago and you were both talking like you are now about how much you love Georgia tech in this game. And I'm pretty much just fading you two. <laughs> so when, when they sent us the email, it was like a day or two after we got back. Yeah. And they sent us the email to fill out our expert picks. And I got to Georgia Tech, Tennessee. I was like, man, Barton and Chip really love Georgia Tech in this game. Yep. I'm going Tennessee. It's this is one of those this is one of those situations. Like I said, the preseason now feels like it's it's been a year. Yeah. And and just every time Georgia Tech, Tennessee comes up, I have to sp- reiterates that I think Georgia Tech's pretty good. And so now, because I've talked about it so much, <laughs> I think I've, I've convinced myself I'm more confident than maybe I really am because I've just had to repeat the same thing over and over again. Um, I don't know. I could absolutely see Tennessee winning this thing and, and winning it by uh, a large margin. I, but I just, you know what, I've ridden this Paul Johnson train for this long. I, I'm not jumping off yet. I just, I like, I, I think that I'm using Paul Johnson as my spirit animal. And by just poking, just poking uh, this game, I, I like it is definitely possible that Tennessee could come out and win this thing by ten, and everyone's just going to come screaming at me. But the good news is, there's always a week two. Um, all right, Maryland and Texas, seventeen and a half. We're uh, according to the expert picks, we're all on the Terps. Is that? confidence in maryland is that doubt in texas or is that balking at uh, a line of three scores uh for a noon 11 a.m central time kickoff uh in daryl k royal stadium for me it's just i think maryland's a lot better team than most people want to give it credit for it's not going it's it's records probably not going to reflect that at the end of the season just based on who maryland has to play and what division they're in but I don't think Maryland is the pushover that this line suggests. And, I, and while I'm a big believer in Texas this year and its potential, 
it's way too early to be making them three touchdown favorites over any other power five team. Uh, one, I 100% agree. Like, team talent composite. That the thing that you know you you referenced it earlier, Chip. If you look at the team talent composite, Maryland's 26th in the country. They're like this line would make you think that they're down in like the 50s and they're just a sort of a a nobody Big Ten team. They're I know they had some they, they took some lumps on the chin last year, but they've got some talent. They've got some players. And for this to be, I've seen the line as high as 19. Wow. And, and for this to be a, a nearly a three-touchdown game, I, I just feel like that's some Tom Herman inflation there. And I, I like Maryland. I, I almost had them in my locks, but I just this almost feels too weird to me. Like, it's almost too good to be true. Like, if this game was down at 15 or 14 or, or like, maybe I'd, I'd – feel better about it but at, like it's high as 19 I'm almost like what am I missing here and so I I think that I, I think Maryland is plays a competitive football game I think Texas probably wins but I just think look you're in year two of DJ Durkin who's and I think that he's a good coach with a good coaching staff you're in year one of Tom Herman um, this thing doesn't happen overnight even if you have talent so I, I like this game a lot. I almost made it one of my locks. I, I didn't uh, just because this this feels like one of those that looks too good to be true to me. What are we expecting from Wyoming and Iowa? A rock fight. Right? Yeah. 11 and a half was a little like I, I wanted to throw some some confidence behind Josh Allen, uh, but I need, I need to see what happens here. Of course, uh, Dennis Dodd mentioned earlier in the week – Iowa losing to North Dakota State, um, an Iowa team that is going to be so very Iowa. I just I don't think you want to be sweating this cover one way or the other. Yeah, it's it's not a game that I'm excited to bet. Yeah, I, I was leaning Wyoming on this, and and then I, yeah, I, I I I'm just I'm scared of it at this point because I actually think, with the exception of quarterback. I, I think I was pretty good just about everywhere. Um, you know, they, they still aren't going to have a bunch of just, you know, game breaker athletes on the perimeter necessarily, but defensively, I think they're really sound. Their offensive line is good. Like I was, I think I was pretty good, but they always seem to mess around with these teams early in the season and, and it looks ugly and they get out with a win or lose. Uh, and, and Wyoming's got maybe the best quarterback in college football. So, uh, yeah, this is a stay away game for me. Um, but, uh, but it's a, it's, it's enticing. It's intriguing to maybe play at Wyoming just to have a little fun. I, I do kind of like the under there just based on the style of offense that both teams employ. I, I like it's that. At, yeah. It's at 49 and a half, which isn't exactly a high number, but I just, this is a game where I feel like the first team to 20 is probably going to win. 24-14 or something yeah, like that. I, yeah. This is the type of game when like Josh Allen gets picked uh, first overall in the NFL draft and they show his highlights. It's like a highlight of him like going through his reads and getting to a <laughs> five-yard five like, check down. And yeah. It's like, oh, great play by Josh Allen. Look at Allen. the way he scans the defense. <laughs> and, and so and there it is. Like, they gain five yards on first down. Like, it's not, it's not him throwing bombs, like, and just, like, air raiding on someone. It's just a both teams are just going to sort of dink and dunk it and do, you know, run off tackle and whatever they do. And so, uh, yeah, I kind of like that under, too. What's hey so uh, boss? What's the w- Wyoming tape that we've got the rights to? Oh, just the opener against Iowa. Okay, guys, you got to make the most of this. Look <laughs> uh, at these checkdowns. He's NFL ready. He's NFL ready. NFL checkdowns. Uh, another uh, big, I would say, uh, borderline not marquee, but certainly uh, a game of interest. Notre Dame hosting Temple. Um, you know, Brian Kelly's been doing a lot of talking. Brandon Wimbush coming out, uh, getting a chance to take over an Irish team. Again, going back to uh, the talent composite, a talented Notre Dame roster. Uh, Temple, in the first year under Jeff Collins, they lost a lot, but I still find myself having some confidence in the uh, the fact that this is going to be a good defensive team. Jeff Collins, of course, playing into that. I It's at 18 and a half. Uh, yeah. a, a, 
stay away game maybe i i feel like i've been taking all underdogs here like do either one of you feel good about taking notre dame to win big i i'm not running to the window to place the bet but if i was placing one on this game i would take notre dame and lay the points Mm. simply because like you said i mean Yes, it's Jeff Collins' first year, and I think that's a, a, a key loss. I think losing Matt Rule is just a key loss for Temple. I think Matt Rule is a very good coach. But then, you know, they lost Philip Walker. They lost a lot of key players on offense. And while Notre Dame has, a, has to break in a new quarterback in Brandon Wimbush, it's nearly in its entire offensive lines back. It's got a lot of skill position guys back. I think the defense has to be better than what we saw last year. And even if it's not that much better, be better coached. At yeah, least. They'll, they'll be better coached. And I really don't have a ton of faith in this temple offense to be able to do too much damage. I feel like with the entire off season of prep for it, with coming, coming off a four and eight season, I feel like Brian Kelly and just everything that's gone on is going to want to come out and make a statement. And I think Temple, if you look at Notre Dame's schedule, I think this is really Notre Dame's best chance to make like a look at us kind of statement deal because, you know, they've got Georgia coming up. But that so I, I think this is probably going to be Notre Dame's easiest win of the season or at least part of the early season. Temple's the least experienced team this year in the AAC, according mm. to uh, the great Phil Steele. <laughs> so uh, 111th in the country in terms of just like returning starts, I think, or returning, yeah, I guess starts, or I think that's how he, he measures that. So yeah, I this number seems huge. I would never have guessed it to be this big. Uh, this would definitely be a stay away game for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's... It's it's hard to pick Temple too, so I, yeah. I, this, this is a scary one. And to go back to the talent rankings, we mentioned Notre Dame's, you know, ranked number nine. Temple seventy fifth. Yeah, it's, so. it feels big, but the more you dig into it, the more you can just imagine Equinemia St. Brown having like two sixty yard touchdown receptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my my biggest concern is Temple's defense was always so disciplined under Matt Rule, and it's it's in the first game under Collins, I I. I don't know what to expect from that defense this time. So I, I think we could see some big plays given up. Yeah, uh, and and also, I, I think Jeff Collins is a really good coach. I think he's a really good defensive coach. But it's it's also, I don't know that that always necessarily translates immediately to the defensive side of the ball when they're the head coach. Like mm. last year or two years ago, Barry, or I guess it was, yeah, last year, Barry Odom's first year, Missouri's defense was horrible. Um, and it was because he didn't know how to manage head coaching duties with defensive duties. Same thing with Vanderbilt when Derek Mason first got there. Their defense was horrible. And and then both, I think I think Missouri was better late in the year. They'll be better this year because Barry Odom has, has figured things out. Derek Mason, same thing. Um, so just because you hire a good defensive coach doesn't mean the defense is going to be good. And so I think that that's something to watch is just how Jeff Collins is able to manage that uh, that that responsibility and, and get that defense playing well. So that, that's that's something to watch, I think. Uh, any any obscure lines or over-under plays or uh, anything else y'all want to stake your reputation on? It won't count for our score in the competition, but uh, before we get on out of here, anything jump out at y'all on the board? Um, for those listening to this podcast on Thursday before the game start, I like the under in Ohio State-Indiana. It's at 57 right now. I think that's a pretty solid bet because I don't have much faith at all in Indiana to score many points. I, I don't think Indiana wants to score points anymore. So I, I like the under there, that Big Ten opener on a Thursday night in the first Thursday of the season, which blows my mind. I've got three games that I would point to. So I'm a big – you guys will find out as we go through the year. One of my big like indicators that I watch is – um, line movements, anti-public line movements. Um, and there's three games with some serious anti-public line movement. Uh, one is right down the road for me in Murfreesboro, Vanderbilt MTSU. That line opened at nine points. Vanderbilt's nine-point favorite. 81% of the money's going towards Vanderbilt, or 81% of the bets going towards Vanderbilt, and it's moved down to three. Oh. So that, that tells me, obviously, that, that – Somebody knows something, and it it wouldn't shock me to see MTSU win that game. Honestly, uh, it's a it's a home game for MTSU. They've won three of the last five against Vanderbilt. It's not unprecedented for them to win. Uh, they've got 
one of the best quarterback wide receiver combos in the country and Brent Stockstill and Richie James. They got a wide open sort of spread system. Um, so it's just something to keep an eye on. I'm not picking it, but I think that that MTSU in that game is something to watch. Um, and then two others that that moved that caught my eye. Nebraska was a 16.5-point favorite over Arkansas State. That's down to 14.5 with 80% of the people on Nebraska. And Michigan State, that line moved from 20 to 17 with 90% on Michigan State. So if you're just looking for where the Sharps are putting their money, th- those are a couple teams to keep an eye on. Do you set uh, – is there like a siren that goes off in your home office when there's reverse <laughs> line movement? I need to. I need to get some tech guy in here. Just <laughs> we got to, reverse line movement. Bowling Green. They're hammering the Falcons. <laughs> uh, I like that. You keep, you keep an eye on that stuff. That's good. Keep bringing that. Yeah. That's uh, that's yeah. good stuff. Uh, well, this has been a lot of fun. We will be uh, holding our feet to the fire all weekend. And all the Tennessee fans that are mad, remember, you can follow Barton on Twitter at Barton Simmons. <laughs> he said... Uh, that Chip said Paul Johnson's <laughs> going to coach circles around Butch Jones. Uh, he is Barton Simmons. You can follow him at Barton Simmons. He's Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Make sure that you subscribe to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast because subscribers get them first. Gentlemen, best of luck, worst of luck. Let's go enjoy the games. Thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs>